you would please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, this is God's word. When men began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, When the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain, So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. 
If you check around the world in ancient literature of ancient cultures, you will find something that occurs over and over again, and that's the story of a flood. The symbol for safety in the ancient Chinese characters is a boat with eight people on it. Isn't that interesting? Now, of course, many scientists tell us that there is no, no way that there could have been a, a universal flood. I mean, certainly there have been great cataclysms through the ages, but, uh, but the idea of the whole planet being flooded with water, that's <clears throat> just ridiculous. How about the idea of a talking snake or a woman being made from a man's rib or even, even the idea that there was nothing and God spoke the universe into being? Well, I am, yeah, frankly, I, I find that unbelievable too. Yeah, I kind of thought you would. But it's true. How do you know it's true? Because God says so. How do you know it's God's word? I mean, really. There are actually a number of reasons that I know that this is God's word. But one that's going to sound like no proof at all to an unbeliever is that I know the author. And when you know him, you know that he's trustworthy. And you recognize his speech. If someone were to call me on the phone and say, Hello, this is your wife, Susan. I'm not going to say, Oh my goodness, Susan, are you okay? That's not my wife, Susan. I get so many scam emails and scam snail mails. I've gotten five offers in the last two weeks from companies that on the outside of the envelope try to look like my bank. But when you open it up in tiny print at the bottom, it says, not affiliated with Truist Bank or any other bank. <laughs> well, then why'd you put Truist on the outside of the envelope? Because they know that's where I bank. They're trying to pretend to be what they're not. Let me tell you something. God's word rings true over and over and over and over. It accurately describes not only the human condition, but it perfectly foretold the life of Jesus of Nazareth. And it told us not only that he was going to die, but that he was going to conquer death. That he would rise again. And he did. So if you want to start with the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, the historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, fine, start there. Reserve judgment about these early chapters in Genesis. Not because they're not true, but because... It's easier to demonstrate the historical accuracy of what Scripture says about Jesus, including the fact that he rose again 
from the dead, just as he had said. And once you realize that that is true, and that Jesus really is who he claimed to be, and that he really did what he said he would do, then you need to not just go back and sort of academically accept, okay, I guess it's possible that this could be true too. You need instead, when you realize who Jesus is and what he has done, to bow down in worship and yield your life to him. And when you do that, when you ask him to save you, not only will he save you, but he will come in the person of the Holy Spirit to live his life in you and through you, and you will know his voice because it's here. And so you will read things that just don't necessarily feel right in here. But you will also know that the problem is not with what God is saying. The problem is with your feeler. Okay? You'll realize this is the word of God. And Jesus treated it as such over and over. When the people of his day would ask him questions, the religious people, the scholars of his day would ask him questions, he'd say, haven't you read? And he'd take them back to the scriptures. He would say to them, your problem, even though they studied the scriptures all the time, is that they didn't understand all the scripture was pointing to him. And that is true of this story of Noah and the ark as well. Because God's judgment is real. God's judgment already fell on man in the flood. And God's judgment is going to happen again, this time not with flood, but with fire. And when that occurs, there is only one place of safety, and that's in Christ. You see, we're going to read in coming days, God willing, about the events of the flood and what it was like. But one thing I want you to understand, because the flood was universal, you couldn't escape by climbing a tree. You couldn't escape by climbing a mountain. There was only one place where you could survive, and that was in the ark. You were either inside or outside. And that is the truth today. You are either in Christ or you are outside of Christ. And in Christ, there is complete safety. And outside, there is no safety at all. If you put your confidence in the U.S. military... I'm not bashing the military. I'm just saying they cannot save. Ask the people of Afghanistan. If you put your confidence, and I don't blame that, by the way, on the military. I'm just telling you the military cannot save. If you put your confidence in a political party, that's even more stupid than trusting the military. If you put your confidence in some politician who's willing to stand against the flow, 
You need to understand it's a mortal. It's a person who already is under a death sentence. No politician can save us. No politician can save us. No earthly court. If you are, and I know probably no one in this room would even entertain such a notion, but if you are one of the people watching or listening to this and you think that our hope is in the UN, you know nothing. I'm just telling you. Check history. Watch the proceedings of the UN. Understand how it is set up. No way. Well, I, I, I think the EU is going to come through for us. I'm just telling you, there's only one place of safety from God's wrath, and that is in Christ Jesus. And that is ultimately what this story is about. God seeing the earth filled with worsening and worsening sin chose, on the one hand, to pour out his wrath, and on the other hand, to save a remnant. That is God's way. And so we look at what happened here, and we see that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Does that mean Noah never sinned? Of course not. It doesn't say he was sinless, it says he was blameless. I have sinned. I have a refuge in God's grace. And because of God's grace, I am blameless. God is not holding me accountable for my sin. Because if God held me accountable for my sin, I'd be destroyed. But God instead poured out his wrath on his beloved son who offered his life as the sacrifice who takes away the sin of the world. So Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. Uh, Pastor Wood, I, I'm sorry to bring this up at this time, but I noticed that you skipped over the first part there, which was a very curious thing in it about uh, the sons of God and the daughters of men. And, um, and, and with that also, uh, you neglected this uh, mysterious term concerning the Nephilim. Um, what are you going to say about that? Well, frankly, I'd rather not get into all that this morning. But I will tell you briefly that there is unresolved controversy among people who love God and believe the Bible concerning whether or not this reference to the sons of God marrying the daughters of men refers to godly people like Noah marrying ungodly women just because they thought they looked good. Or is it a reference to angelic beings taking human wives? I'm not going to tell you that you have to interpret that one way or the other. I will recognize that there are challenges regarding both 
interpretations. But it is worth noting that everywhere else in the Bible that this term concerning the sons of God is used, it's a reference to angelic beings. So make of that what you will. Are you saying that there could have been angels who had relations with human women and produced the Nephilim who were these giants of old? Yeah, I'm saying that, that, that may be what that means. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, uh, what, what, what are we to do with that? I would move on to verse 11. We said in verse 10, Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Okay, he's got three boys. They've got wives. We find that out here in this chapter. But the real key is the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God is going to emphasize repeatedly that one of the things that was so grievous to him was all the violence on the earth. So he's going to cure that by wiping everybody out? Yeah. Well, I don't think that's a very nonviolent way of doing it. Well, here's the difference. If I say to you, be perfect as I am perfect, I'm I'm talking crazy talk. Why? Because I'm not perfect. But if God says, be perfect as I am perfect, he has a right, because he is perfect. When people say, oh, well, nobody's perfect, they're leaving someone out of the equation, aren't they? They're overlooking the God who is perfect and who calls us to become like him. Well, how is that possible? Only by grace. Only through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, taking away the heart of stone, giving us a heart of flesh, making us new, and giving us the power to say yes to God and no to sin. Pastor Wood, you do talk about this from time to time. Are you suggesting or wanting us somehow to believe that you have stopped sinning completely? No, I don't want you to think that because it wouldn't be true. So sometimes you still mess up? Yeah. Well, then how can you call us to have victory over sin? Well, because I'm following the example of Paul as he follows Christ, who tells us we need to pursue him. And he says, and that's what I'm doing. I haven't already achieved this. I haven't already been made perfect. But I'm pressing on to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. I'm not sinless. But I sin less than I used to. I haven't arrived. But I've made progress. And I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. Now, Moses, a Moses, Noah, see, I told you I mess up. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. But the earth God saw as corrupt and full of violence because the, all the people on earth had corrupted their ways 
So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. And I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Wow. So the animals have to die because of people? Yes. God was starting over again, and the animals suffered because of the wickedness of people. Well, that just doesn't seem fair. What doesn't seem fair? Why would God kill an animal? Well, the first time that he did was in the garden because of the sin of people. Understand? All creation, the Bible says, still to this day is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of God's children. We who are in Christ are destined for the new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. But until that time, not only do people suffer throughout the world because of the consequences of sin, but the whole creation does. The whole creation suffers. My cats this morning were at the door again. They're always so excited when I come downstairs because they're hoping I'm going to tell them a story. No, they just want food. So I feed them. And I feed them so that they can kill mice. That's the truth. I mean, they're cute. They're furry. Sometimes they can be fun. But I wouldn't have them for that reason. They are there as executioners. I have two females, Puss and Boots, and I have, see that's a play on words, because you know the character Puss and Boots, the cat who wore boots, okay, well, I've got Puss and Boots, and Boots has little white feet, it fits. But, but the older cat is the male cat, and his name is Hunter. And he earns that name all the time, okay? And they bring their trophies and they lay them at my feet. Well, they, they put them on the doormat. That's as close as they can get because they're not allowed in the house, all right? So even to this day, the way that nature operates, years ago, there were some poor creatures up in the Arctic that were trapped in the ice, and money was raised, and the media swarmed, and it took time, but they got icebreakers, and they got these things out of where they were trapped and out into the open sea, and within moments after they did, they were eaten by a great white. Oh, that's not what we planned. We were saving them. Yeah, and you delivered them right into the jaws of a hungry creature that has to eat in order to stay alive. 
So if you look at this and you say, well, how could God kill all those things? They're all going to die. You understand? They're all going to die. And drowning is actually one of the less miserable ways to go. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, so they say. I don't know who they asked. (laughs) You know? I mean, really. So how was it? But, but that's, what, that's what they tell us. Scientists know amazing things. But all these creatures drowned. Who made them? God. God made them. God owns them. The only thing that gives life value is God. God says that human life is valuable. And that's why it grieved God that people who aren't God were treating human life as not valuable. God has a right to take life. The rest of us need to repent of all the times that we would like to take someone's life because they're not treating us as if our will is supreme. So, God said, I'm going to do this. And so you're to make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. And these are the dimensions. It's to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. That means that there's going to be an 18-inch opening for air. And for light, that was helpful. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. And I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It says here, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked with God, and he had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So having three sons uh, makes sense that he would have a wife. And there are these three sons. It doesn't say anything about his wife being a godly woman walking with God. It doesn't say anything about his sons being godly, and we're going to find out not so much. It doesn't say anything about their wives being godly, walking with God. How come they got to go on the boat? Because the one who was making up the passenger list said they could come. Oh, Noah? No. God. God chose whom he would save. Write it down. God chose whom he would save. I don't think that's very democratic. It's not. God behaves over and over and over again 
as if he is in charge of the universe. Well, who put him in charge? That's that kindergarten question again. Where did God come from? He didn't come from. He's always been. Everything else was made by him. It only makes sense that as the one who created everything and owns everything, that he would be in charge. Now, I do care for my cats. I try and be sure they're well-fed. But I'll tell you this, if they ever turn on me, they're dead. You understand? Oh, Pastor, what I can't believe you'd kill a cat. I've done it accidentally. Oh, I didn't want to know that. My precious daughter as a teenager was given a beautiful little cat. I forget what she called it. But one Sunday, we were headed down for church, and Kitty didn't know to get out of the way of my vehicle. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, it was. I felt badly. But it was not a close call. All nine lives gone just like that. <laughs> okay? And then there was a time that the raccoon kept coming to our house and eating my cat's food. We tried scaring it away, and it didn't, it wasn't even a little bit impressed. So one evening, I got my shotgun, and when that cat, when that raccoon was out there eating our cat's food, I took aim and boom, dead raccoon. Unfortunately, unbeknownst to me, in the darkness, right immediately behind the raccoon was my cat Tigger. He was such a good cat. Love Tigger. That's even a sweet name. Well, he, he was kind of orangey with stripes and he, he kind of looked like a Tigger. Really sad. But I'll tell you something. If I can accidentally kill cats, I'm sure I could do it on purpose. <laughs> Pastor Wood, you're scaring me. I thought you were a nice man up until this morning. <laughs> I said, if they turned on me. Okay. What do you mean, if they don't, if they don't smile at you? No. <laughs> I mean, if I was being attacked by cats, I would defend myself. You understand? I'm not going to say, oh, oh, I'm going in the house. I'm going to say, I'm going in the house. <laughs> Boom. Got it? Now, if I have a right to do that to creatures that I have cared for and sustained all these years, why in the world would anybody think that God who created the universe and is the only one who holds it together and is the one who provides everything we all have God doesn't have a right to take a life? Well, that just doesn't make any sense at all, does it? Well, I still haven't accepted the premise that you have a right to kill a cat. Okay, well, fine. But guess what? You're not in charge of me. I know. God said, this is what I'm going to do. It was because people repeatedly sinned so grievously that God was grieved. 
I don't, think, I don't think that fits very well with my understanding of God. Then adjust your understanding of God. Well, how can God be moved with grief by something that happens in this finite creation? How could that affect the infinite God? I don't fully understand. I just know that God, in revealing himself to Noah and in his word to us, says that it brought him grief to see the wickedness of man. And so he provided a solution. He was going to make a fresh start. And he says, you're to take these animals onto the boat with you and they're going to come to you to be kept alive. I mean, how would you round up all these animals? Scientists still come to the Great Smoky Mountains National Park looking for new species, and they find them. Like lions and bears? No, like salamanders. And that's, that's what we seem to have, uh, the greatest abundance of salamanders on the planet, literally, right over the ridge in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Well, how would you get two of every species? You don't. You get two of every kind. Go to the ark exhibit up there in Kentucky and find out. Two of every kind. Well, that's still going to be hard to round up. Oh, you don't have to round them up, Noah. You just build the boat. I'll send the animals. And that's what he did. They came. They came to be saved. And you are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. And so, here's the key to what it looks like to walk with God and be blameless. Verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So he was sinless. No, we already said he was not. But he was blameless. And the trajectory of his life, which even after the flood was not perfect, but the pattern of his life and the trajectory of his life was one of obedience. God says this boat's to be 450 feet long. I'm sorry. That's going to take too much wood. No. God said... 450 feet long. That's one and a half football fields. Come on. God said, I know what's needed. You do what I said. I'm thinking with that kind of height, we could get four decks. God says, three. 18 inches around the top. Can't we just go... 20? Pastor Wood, why are you doing this? Because the sinful human heart always wants to second guess God. Couldn't we do it this way? Do we really have to do it that way? Does it have to be right now? Noah obeyed God. And that, folks, 
That's why we're alive today. All of us are related. We all go back to Noah. I just find that hard to believe. Well, there were people down through the ages who found it hard to believe that there was such a thing as germs. But we've since discovered that actually Mr. Pasteur and some others were right. Guess what? This is truth. You can believe it or not believe it, but it doesn't change the fact that this is truth. That's why you need to know this book, is because you need to know the author. And when you know the author, you want to know this book because you want to learn all you can about what he says, about who we are, where we come from, and where we're going. The only place of safety is in Christ Jesus. My prayer for you is that you will know and trust and love him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for knowing everything about us and still choosing to save us. Thank you that when we could not in any way save ourselves even partly, you sent a perfect sacrifice who takes away the sin of the world so that all who trust in you are saved. You have a right to do anything, but you have lovingly chosen to save a remnant and we give you the praise. Thank you for including us in the whosoever when you said whosoever will may come. Thank you for drawing us to yourself when we were running the other way. Help us to truly trust you and love you and serve you. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.